our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Dennis. Thank you. Hi, everybody. How are you? I've, I've served the Lord for, I don't know, I think over 40 years now, but in all my Christianity, I've never seen anybody honored like I've seen today. And uh, I've got to say that was a beautiful, beautiful tribute. Um, I don't know the young man, but I felt so moved by the fact that the body of Christ remembers and cares and uh, very, very powerful. Uh, how many of you have lost loved ones in this room? How yeah, many of us, right? So we know. We know what it feels like. And uh, just great that mom and dad, where's mom and dad? Would you raise your hands? This mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> Wonderful. It counts. It counts. Um, God bless you both. And uh, we pray today would bring real touch of the presence of God. The reason we serve God is because we believe he's alive, right? And that he is bigger than all we face. Um, he, he is the restorer of our souls. He's our comforter. Um, so, very moved today. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm a, how many of you have never heard me before? Just, well, quite a few. Okay. I'm a, a, a total believer in the fact that God is a transformer of a human being. That it doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter how deep the trouble you've been in. It doesn't matter how much you've lost. Jesus has come to make the total difference. You can say amen anytime. I'm not intimidated. Jesus stood up in the temple in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. And he makes a declaration, his first declaration. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He speaks out of Isaiah. For he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he goes through six things. Open prison doors. Set at liberty the captives. Heal the blind eyes. Heal the brokenhearted. And he finally ends up with saying, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord's favor, which is the year of Jubilee. And Jubilee is unique in Scripture in that Jubilee is a restoration of everything that you've never had or lost. Jubilee is God's way of giving you back what you lost in the traumas of life. I said you can say amen anytime. What good news. He stands up and he says, I'm here to change everything in your life that is out of order. I'm here to bring you uh, uh, healing and restoration. I'm here to bring you deliverance and breakthrough. I'm here to bring you good news. I'm here to tell you that if I enter your life, Everything changes. I think one of the things we miss in Christianity is that we lose sight of the bigger picture. So often we focus on just the, the various aspects we're going through. So we're financially pressured, so we're thinking about God as a giver. And, you know, we, we lose sight of what he's actually doing. This morning, I want to speak to you about becoming extraordinary people of God. I want to, I want to speak to you about us 
becoming more than we just see in the average church. To be honest with you, I am dis, uh, I, I'm dis, uh, discouraged, I suppose is the word. I was going to say disgruntled. But I'm discouraged by the, the, the level of what takes place in the church so much. For instance, I, I got news just a few months ago of a church I went to. And as I went to the church, left there, God really moved. There was a tremendous move of God. And... Uh, the pastor said, when you left, news came to us of the fact that our youth pastor and his wife, but the youth pastor specifically, had a young lady visiting from another nation that was living with him and was busy studying uh, to, to, to serve God full time. And it was found that he had uh, set up a camera in the bathroom. And was videoing this young lady when she would go to the bathroom. And he was a youth pastor of the church. On the plane over here, uh, on my Emirates flight in, news headlines, British Columbia. A town in British Columbia, a pastor and his wife have been arrested with over 30 counts of sexual assault. The wife as well, not just the husband. I know these seem like isolated incidents, but as a pastor for, for so long, I can tell you they're not really isolated. They, they're around all the time. Uh, people suffer from tremendous things. I was part of a church um, which I pastored for over 20 years, and I found out that the elder, the guy who started the church, was a pedophile. And had, a, had been arrested after he left my church and went down to uh, another part of South Africa. Had been arrested with over 40 counts of sexual assault on little boys. Another man who was in the headlines of your, not, not, not of your country, of my country, South Africa, shot himself um, after... Many, many years of suffering as a pedophile, was a part of my church. Left the church, got arrested, got put in jail, and came out of jail and, and lived continuously until the police cornered him and he shot himself. These things shock me. These things concern me. These are the extreme. But every day I, I, I meet pastors and leaders, men and women of God, that desperately want to serve God with all they've got. But so often they have not got the tools, they have not got the equipping that enable them to become outstanding. I grew up in a little town called Kitwe, Zambia. How many of you have been to Zambia? I know there's not going to be one hand up. Kitwe, Zambia is a beautiful little place. Zambia is an outstanding country. I grew up in that town with a dad and a mom, a dad of which I'm extremely proud. My father was my height. Uh, my sort of build, uh, but he just never got fat. That's not funny. Don't laugh at it. I'm embarrassed. No, I'm playing with you. My dad was an outstanding man. He, I never saw my dad cry, ever. I never saw my dad scared, ever. I never saw my dad sulking, ever. I never saw my dad discouraged, ever. I never saw my dad give up, ever. My dad was one of the most disciplined people I've ever met. You could set your clock by my dad. He would be up at 5 o'clock every morning. He would go to sleep at 9 o'clock at night, every night. At 8 o'clock, he would watch the news. 
At 6 o'clock, he would sit down for meal. Whether the meal was on the table or not, he would sit down at 6 o'clock. I regularly heard him say to my mom, is there a problem in this house? The food's not on the table at 6 o'clock. He lived by a clock. He, he was a highly disciplined human being. Very strong, very physically powerful. I respected him more than any other man I know on earth. My dad was funny. He was a, he was a very, very funny person. He told really great stories, but every story had a moral. My dad trained me in life. It's a tremendous gift. The older I get, the more I realize what a great gift my dad was to me. And I've come to realize out of Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, that if there is not a connection of fathers to sons, there's a curse on the earth. It says in Malachi 4, 6, I will send you Elijah in the last days. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers, lest I strike the earth with a curse. There is a curse on earth today. It's called fatherlessness. And I'm, I'm not talking about even a father being away from home. I'm talking a father being there and not being active. Because one of the most powerful influences in life is our father. In fact, God is labeled not as our uncle. He's labeled as our father. Because a father, the word father means originator. It means source. From a father comes the development of a human being. And if you don't understand the, the power of a father, if we don't get that right in the church, we're going to end up with, with a, a generation that is useless. Because it's from a father that certain things are established in us. Three things are established in us from a father. Security, stability, significance. Those three things are critical if you do not have them. In other words, number one, uh, security speaks about how much I am appreciated. A father will bring... An insecure human being is a person that has never had a father send them a message that I accept you. A father that sends a message that says, you are not actually what I like. You're not actually what I wanted. I wanted a girl and you're a boy. I wanted a boy, but you're a girl. We forever live under that problem. Because if our fathers don't like us, who will? God established the church as a place where that problem needs to be addressed. Where our pastors and our leaders become moms and dads to us. Where they build back into us, as this precious man did today, a sense of value, a sense of, of honor, a sense of um, acceptance. In the church today, we, we unfortunately don't have uh, fathers. What we have are child minders. Paul says you do not have many fathers, but you have many teachers. And that word teachers in the Greek is a child minder, a babysitter. In other words, instead of taking you as a person and building into you what was never built into you, I just watch over you. I just let you know that I'm just watching you. I don't, I don't have a process to actually build something back into your life which is transformational. 
I teach on, I'll be teaching on Father's House this uh, coming week. What an honor. I've never had anything except the apostolic adventure, which I, I'm doing in December, which has been more fruitful. Father's House is a, a middle-level development of uh, men and women who are serious with God, who want to go somewhere, who want to learn how to function and flow in the things of God. I empower you to do what you've never been able to do. I give you gifts. You say to me, how can you say that you give me gifts? Because that's a truth that's been lost in the church. It's a truth of impartation. We get imparted to from God through other people. Thank you for saying amen. We get imparted. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 11, I long to be with you so that I could impart to you. That means take from me and put on you. That I can impart to you some spiritual gifts. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 15 following, it says this, stir up the gift that is in you, Timothy. That gift that was given to you was what? Given to you. Let's say it again. Was given to you. You didn't have it. It was given to you. By the laying on of hands of the presbytery through prophecy. So let me say it this way. When I, I come to you, let's say I'm, I'm Paul, you're Timothy. Well, let's go to him. <laughs> so so what, what I'm saying is I want to give to you don't take it, it's all I've got, all right? <laughs> I, want, I want to give to you through what? What's the process? Laying on of hands, prophecy. You are called to be a man that brings a father's heart to young men and young women who've lost their way. I'm prophesying to you. I'm not, I'm not practicing, I'm doing it right now. You have been molded by God. God has taken your heart and he has broken it many times. God has brought you to a place where you understand and you feel. You don't sympathize, you empathize. And God is going to use that, that tremendously well-formed heart and he's going to use it to form and develop young men like trees, that they become strong and stable and they're un unmoved. That's given to you. I lay my hands on him and I release that anointing to do that right now in Jesus' name. And so, bam, something from the Holy Ghost in me flows from me to him establishes the switch that moves him into the process of becoming who God says he is. Because prophecy releases the process. Prophecy releases the process. You don't become it because you were prophesied over. You become it because prophecy releases the process which brings you into fulfillment. It might take one year. It might take 40 years. It depends. What's so sad in the church is that so many have never, ever heard what God thinks about them and has planned for them. And it takes fathers in the Lord to release these things. Elders, presbytery, presbyteros, Episcopos, pastors, overseers, watchers, who will give their life for you. One thing I appreciate about this man, I've met him last year. From the day I met him, he has a heart that is humble and teachable before God. 
He desperately wants to know what the right thing is to do. You have got gold. I don't even know if you understand that. Somebody say amen. Amen. One of the greatest things you can do for a pastor and his wife is to cheer for them. Because they give up their lives to see that you're okay. One of the greatest things you can ever do for pastors is that you can support them. And you can make sure they, they get where they're trying to get. 1 Chronicles 12 verse 17 the men from Saul arrived, the captains, the, 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 the leaders of the army. And they walk up to, to David at his camp. He's hiding. He's running from Saul. And David says, as he comes out to them, what have you come for? Because if you come to cause me trouble, God will deal with you. What he's actually saying is, I'll chop your head off. That's his way of saying God will deal with you. He said, why are you here? And the leader of the group called Abisai moves forward and says to, the spirit of the Lord falls on him as he steps forward. And he says, no, David, we are here. We are yours. Listen to me. We are yours. Not we've come to see you perform. Not we've come to see how good you are. Not we've come to sit here as long as you do the right things. We are yours. We've recognized the hand of God on your life. And so we give ourselves to support you. Peace and success to you. You know what he's saying? Whatever it takes to give you peace, to make your life easy, simple, we're going to get behind you. And whatever it takes to make you succeed in the cause to which God has called you, we are going to help you do that. We're not going to sit on the stands and shout if you do a great thing and then criticize if you mess it up. We're not going to be spectators. We're going to be participators. We're going to help you get where you want to get. One of the greatest things you as a congregation can do is send this couple of message that says, we are yours. That we are here for your peace and your success. Not perform and we'll clap. Don't perform and we'll nail you. By the way, he's never said that you do any of these things. I don't know how you treat him. I don't really understand. But I want to tell you something. Today, by the Spirit of the Lord, I'm trying to say to you, A man is established as a father, not because he is one, but because he is received as one. Do you understand me? The level at which you receive a person, receive a prophet as a prophet, and you'll receive a prophet's reward. The level at which you receive a person is the level of blessing that will flow to you. See, today... um, I know I'm a surprise to most of you. You didn't know I was going to be here. But the way you receive me will determine at the level at which you get touched today. If you, if you receive me with what's called um, interrogation or observation, let's see how this goes. You know what I mean? Like, hmm, strange accent. Whatever. Let's, let's listen to how good he sounds. I wonder if he's going to touch the subjects that mean something to me. Observation. I want to tell you what's going to happen is you will be touched in your brain. And that's the only place you'll be touched. But if you will receive me as a man of God, if you will pick me up in the spirit and understand the, the, the years of preparation that have gone into my life, and you'll say, Lord, teach me just something from this man. 
It's called not observation, but expectation. If you don't, do not switch on your expectation to those who God has sent to you, you will not be able to have a changed life. So for a moment, just switch on your switch, okay? Will you do that? You, you just, you just gotta, you gotta, if you haven't switched it on already, just, just don't observe me, expect from me. And that's how you got to treat your leaders. That when they get up, it's not, well, it's good old Dennis. This is a man of God that God is going to speak through and going to do some great things. I want, to, I want to give you a prophetic word. God is about to accelerate this man to a level he's never been in yet. I want to tell you now, he's going to where he's never gone before. He's going to do what he's never done before. Will somebody say Amen. He and his wife are going to be accelerated. They're going to be catapulted into a new realm and a new area of, of ministry. Receive them as such. And so fathers are, are, are critical in the body of Christ because what they do is they bring a unique ability from God to be changed. If, if you ever come to me and say... I've heard about you, I want to receive something from you, and you will take an hour to sit with me, I guarantee you your life will be changed forever in one hour. Not because I'm amazing. Okay, let's sort, let's sort that one out immediately. But because of the, the work that God has done in my life, and the attitude that I have towards God's people. I become qualified as a channel to build up and to bring transformation. And as a result, I don't have to be concerned about any church I go to. I don't have to sit and say, I hope they like me. Because I just have to be clear, I don't care. Not, not because I don't care whether people enjoy me or not. I, I do care about But I, I, don't, I don't care for people's opinions. Because those who are hungry will eat. Those who are playing games with God will just be passed by. And so I, I want to say to you today, as a congregation, you've got to position yourself. I'm talking about becoming outstanding men and woman of God. You've got to position yourself in a way that you, you don't allow just anything to happen in your life. You challenge the things that are not right. You take a hold of, of the path you're walking on. You deal with the people you're hanging around with that you shouldn't be hanging around with. You choose how your home will be developed. You choose the culture of your family. You choose the way you speak to your partner. You determine that you will be the most faithful human being that's ever been. That you will, whatever you're given, whether it's small or large, you will treat it with tremendous appreciation and respect. Luke 16, 10, he who is faithful in little will be made ruler over much. When you and I learn, ladies and gentlemen, to deal with the things that are not right in our lives, we take seriously our walk, we immediately move to another level. I am sad with the body of Christ. I feel like 2 Chronicles 16 where it says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across this earth looking for somebody who he can show himself strong on behalf of. Is there somebody in this house that is serious with God that wants to do great things? Is there somebody in this room that has, number one, first point, expectancy? That God is going to use them to make a change. How do you live? 
Do you live in pause mode? Do you understand pause? P-A-U-S-E. Just clock. No, 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 no forward direction, no backward direction. Just pause. Just flopping around. Or do you live with an expectancy that God is going to use you outstandingly? Forty years ago, I had a prophecy over my life by a, a man of God. He was preaching, and as he preached on Matthew chapter uh, 9, God spoke to me. The fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he might thrust out workers into the harvest field. And God says, I want to make you a preparer of workers for the harvest. I was three months old as a Christian. I started to cry like a baby. I said, Lord, I'm, I, I, I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm such a bad person. But Lord, if you say it, I will go for it. It is 40 years later and I preach all over the world. At school, I could never have a public oral because I couldn't speak in front of people. God delivered me like that by the power of his spirit. I don't care who you are or where you come from. I want to tell you something. At 14 years old, I was an alcoholic. I lived on the streets. I fought in alleys. I was your daughter's worst nightmare. If you as a parent wanted a son, I was not the guy you wanted. But God, because he responded to my expectancy, changed my life. Put me through changes and courses and programs that would scare the living daylights out of you. I've been to hell and back. But all of it has built into me a, 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 an ability, a character that makes me stand. That when I'm alone with my wife in Thailand and I, I'm visiting America, I'm trustworthy. Do you understand? I, I can stay in a hotel and nobody has to be concerned I'm going to do something stupid. I've been trained by God. Because I've, I've been willing, I've been expectant that God will make me what he said I could be. How expectant are you? What do you come to church for? What are you here for today? Because I want to tell you this, if you arrived here just flowing in what's the normal behavior of your life, Without any expectancy. It's a strange thing that happens in the spirit. Expect nothing and you get nothing. I wonder how long we spent in prayer today before we came saying, Lord, please speak to me. How desperate are we? Because I tell you, expectation plus desperation brings a manifestation of the power of God. Let me say that again. Expectation plus desperation causes a manifestation of the power of God. The woman with the issue of blood. She said, if I can just touch him. If I can, I don't care about the crowd. I know I'm not allowed to be here. The religious workers, if they see me, they'll throw me out of the city. But if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Expectation plus desperation. To become an outstanding uh, man or woman of God, ladies and gentlemen, the first thing we've got to build in ourselves is an expectation. And we need to find ourselves in a place where there are people that will build us. We need to find ourselves in a place where we listen to what we taught. I say, I, I preach in many, many, many churches. And I say to people straightforwardly, because I really don't believe in, in uh, beating around the bush. We don't have time for that. 
I don't, I don't mean to be unkind. I don't mean to be a bully. But I want to be straight. Because there's nothing more loving than to speak straight. Speak the truth in love. I don't even want to get into that. There's a difference between what is true and truth. What is true is I'm a mess as a human being without Jesus. That's true. The truth is with Jesus, all things are possible. Do you understand? There's a difference between what's true and what's truth. I am the way, he says, the truth and the life. If we have Jesus, the truth is I should be much higher than I am right now. If you want to know what's true, young Nell is a total jerk. Don't say amen. That's not the right time to say amen. <laughs> it's true that I'm useless without him. The truth is with him, there's no end to what I can do. My wife and I bought a piece of land by ourselves. I want to just remind you, her and I are all that we have. We have no church. We have no fellowship. We have no people that stand by us in Thailand. I want to also tell you that we have no income. For all the years we've been married, we have never earned a salary once. We fly over the world many times in a year. God always provides the money. God is real. I'm not a beggar. You know, the thing of faith without hints is dead. I don't live that realm, you know. I sense God telling me that there's four people in this room that's going to give me $1,000 before I leave here today. That's faith without hints. But if I get on my face and I cry out to God and I say, Dad, this is what I need. He already is moving on somebody, and he'll do what has to be done. My wife and I last year walked up onto a piece of property in the north of Thailand, amongst the mountains. Most beautiful place you've ever seen. Walked onto the property, and God said to us, it's yours. We did not have one cent in the bank. Not... I'm not talking about a, an insurance policy, a pension plan, a, a, you know, a, a savings account. I'm not talking about that. We had, do you understand what that means? Zero. No money. And by the end of the day, within one day, we had paid cash for the whole property. I'm talking about a lot of money, a lot of money. One year later, no income. We have come to the place where we've almost totally developed the property. It has a 285-meter wall. It has uh, the most beautiful facilities on. It's got everything you can dream of. And we've done it by ourselves with no income by trusting God. I'm trying to say God will, God will do mighty things for you. You have no idea how much God wants to do for you. Ephesians 3.20 says, Exceedingly abundantly, above all I can ask or imagine, according to the power which works within me. God wants to make us a supernatural people. God wants to make this church a, 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 a model of what God can do with average people. <coughs> People who come on their knees to God and just say, Lord, I want you to do more. Who will take your mourning and t turn it into dancing. Who will give you beauty for ashes. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amazing God. But we expect too little. Expectancy is too low. Expectancy is tied to faith. When God says, I'm going to do something for you, and you believe that, heaven comes alive. I don't know how it works, 
But this I know, that when God speaks, faith comes. And when faith comes and you activate it, he will do what you never believed he could do. No matter what place you find yourself in today, let me tell you something. You're going to see God do outstanding things if you build a spirit of expectation in your heart. Second thing you need to build into your heart. I've only got 20 points, so I won't be long. I'm playing with you, I'm playing, I'm playing with you. The second thing you need to do with yourself is build into yourself a, a spirit of excellence. You know what excellence is? It's doing thing, a thing absolutely well and beyond what's expected. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Even the caps, the first time in my whole ministry that somebody's taken the cap off the water before I drink it. It's fantastic. Two firsts in the room today. <clears throat> I notice everything. I notice everything that goes on. Because I've realized that if you keep your eyes open, God will show you how to encourage, how to develop, and how to equip people. I'm not going down that road. Excellence. I read this yesterday. If you make your bed, you will change the world. I'm going to say that slowly. If you make your bed, you will change the world. You know why? Because if you're excellent at the little things you'll become outstanding at the bigger things. I never leave my bedroom. There's my daughter, she'll tell you. I never leave my bedroom without making my bed. I don't have to make my bed. I, don't, I could leave the, the blankets and the covers and, and somebody else will do it. But I've realized this. If everything I'm given I treat well, I, I create an excellent environment. I remember being in South Africa uh, a number of years ago, and a young man came to me, <coughs> and he was almost crying at the end of the service. He said, Pastor, he says, I've messed up at my job, and I, I'm scared I'm going to lose my job this week when I go back into work. And, I mean, he was, I'm not used to a man you know, wanting to cry at 20-whatever years old. Um, you know, you're a man, man. S suck it up. I'm not sure that I'm going to have a job when I... So I said to him, do you make your bed? He says, I beg your pardon? I said, do you make your bed? He says, no. I said, your mom does, right? He said, how do you know? And I said, what's more is your car is filthy. There's all types of trash in your car, am I right? He said, how did you know? I said, because you're a slob. I said, my friend, you are where you are because you do not take responsibility to do things properly. I came back six months later. This young man walked up to me. I mean, this guy was together. Put his hand out. He said, hello, pastor, do you remember me? And I said, no, I don't. I'm sorry. He said, remember the guy who didn't make his bed? I said, you? He said, I want to tell you from that day. He said, my room is never dirty. My bed is always made. My car is clean and washed every single week. He said, I kept my job. And in fact, I've been promoted. If you'll make your bed, you'll change the world. Being sloppy in little things. It's going to cause you to never achieve great things for God. You can walk into my uh, uh, room now and go to my cupboard and you'll find that every single shirt, long sleeves, first jackets, then long sleeves, then short sleeves, then pants. And they will go from black right down to white. In other words, it'll be black, blue, green, all the way down. Do you understand? They will be hung exactly the same way. There will be no sloppy hanging on the, on the hanger. They will be perfectly hung and, and stretched out so that they 
when you put them on, they're clean and perfect. I don't have to do that for anybody. But whatever I do, I do as unto the Lord. And if you will build that into this church, that whatever you do, there will be a sense of excellence. I want to tell you, you did a great job today, bro. A great job. You're in, that's my third point, your enthusiasm. Your, 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 your a servant heart. Where's the lady who sang with him? Where are you, sister? Oh, you're up there. You've got a great voice. I don't know that you know that. You know, you look at, I feel like you don't even know who you really are. I just want to tell you something. You have an anointing on your life that will change people's hearts. And you need to realize that. You need to understand that today. Um, I, I travel a lot. I'm telling you, I listen to many people. I listen to the best. And you and this man and the young man with the bass guitar, where are you? Great job. Great job. I was fed today. I was touched today because of the excellence at which you did. You've practiced hard to be a guitar player. I can see, man, it takes no effort for you to hit the right notes all the time. You worked hard to do that. You, you have a spirit of excellence over what you do. Outstanding. Everything that is done in this church needs to be the best. Not because you're doing it for the pastor, but because you're doing it for the Lord. Third one is enthusiasm. You need to be enthusiastic. Let me tell you what the Greek word for enthusiasm is. Entheos means God in me. So, so when you're enthusiastic, you are a person that understands God's in you and you can do great things. How enthusiastic are you? Some guys are as wet as a, 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 an old towel. You know what I mean? They, there's no movement in them. They never laugh. They never smile. They never jump up and down. They, they're just like cardboard. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're serving an almighty God. Great and mighty. In me is the power of the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Man, when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'm not getting up to a, a, a situation of, good Lord, it's morning. It's good morning, Lord. Yes. You know what I mean? I've, I've got a spring in my step. I'm ready to move. Man, so many folk they are so disinteresting. They are so, in Afrikaans from South Africa, we've got a word called slop. Slop is sloppy. They are so slop. They've got nothing in them. You wouldn't believe that God lives in them. But enthusiastic people are people that make a difference wherever they go. I want to say to you, we've got to build into ourselves an enthusiasm. We've got to, whatever we do, come at it with all our heart. The last one is enlarged capacity and capability. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52 following, it says, Jesus grew in stature and in favor with God and man. He grew in stature. How, how different do you and I look in the kingdom to when we first started? How, how much have you grown? How, how many of your friends have said to you, man, what has happened to you? Are you enlarged? In capacity, Nora and I were speaking yesterday about capacity. There are some people that can run one business and it stresses them out no end. There are some people that will run ten businesses and you wouldn't even know they're under pressure. 
What is the difference? Capacity. There's some people that can run 10 miles. There's some people that can't even run 100 meters. What's the difference? Capacity. It's how much you've prepared yourself. It's how much you've equipped yourself and pushed yourself past the difficult things. That makes you a person that's outstanding. If you and I are people that, that everything sinks us, we sunk for nothing. The moment pressure comes, we want to give up. But instead of being that, be a person that says, my dad used to say it this way. He says, son, when you swim up and you hit the ice, he says, hit the ice until it breaks. Don't panic. Just break the ice. I've never forgotten it. So every time I hit the ice, you know what I mean? I, I'm like, oh, there's, I'm, I'm nearly out. Oh, flip, here's ice. I, I hit until I break through. And I'm going to get out. I'm going to make it. There's so many, so many of the Christians I meet have got no ability to push. You can put the word endurance in there. They have no ability to break through. I'd say this. One of the things that schools are missing today is that they give people information. They don't give them activation as to how to deal with life's greatest problems. We teach them a whole lot of information about places and things, but we don't know, we don't teach them how to solve life's troubles. So many Christians are just average because they never learned to push past where they are. How are you? Are you an overcomer? Nora and I were listening to a beautiful song yesterday on K-Love. I'm an overcomer. Have you heard that song? Please say yes because they don't, you don't, don't like my voice. I'm an overcomer. It doesn't matter what's in my way. God's in me. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. I don't have to give up on anything. If God called me, he will see me through. I don't care whether I go through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for God is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not average. I'm not a normal human being. I am a supernatural son of God. Somebody agree with me if you believe that. I'm a supernatural son of God. I don't have to accept failure. I don't have to stay where I am. I need a breakthrough. I need to see God do exceedingly abundantly above all I ask or can imagine. I need to know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man those things which God has prepared for them who love me. God's got great things for us, guys. God wants to... Finally, God wants to move us into exploits. Daniel 11.32 that says, Them that know their God will be strong and do exploits. How many exploits have you done? What's different about your life? What have you accomplished that nobody else has? What have you broken through that others can't get past? What exploits have you done? Because he's in you. He's trying to use you for great things. He's trying to get you to receive an expectancy. He's trying to enlarge you. He's trying to put enthusiasm in you. And he's trying to cause you to make great exploits. Ladies and gentlemen, you're an outstanding group of people. You're not called to be the average church. You're not called to just fill a seat Sunday after Sunday. You're called to come here with an expectancy and say, I will not leave until God blesses me. 
I'm not going to stay the same. I'm going to be enlarged. I don't care. Oh, listen, I'm over 60 years old. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm over 60 years old. Somebody say amen. Okay. I just want you to notice I am actually over 60. And I look like I'm 50-something. But My daughter said to me last year, she said, Dad, when did you stop being good-looking? Can you believe that? I don't even want to go there. I'll get her in the car afterwards. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how weak you are. Doesn't matter how little money you've got. God is trying to use you for great things. You've got an anointing on you to set captives free. God has given you an anointing which, as you speak to people, chains will come off of them. They will be unlocked from a past that they have forever battled with. If you only knew that, you would never just hang around. You would press in, as I believe you are, press in to greater things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't match myself with anybody. I would be ahead of the race. I used to play a game called rugby. How many of you know what rugby is? How many of you played rugby? Okay. It's a superior game to American football. We don't wear crash helmets and pads, but we do the same damage to each other. So I grew up as a rugby player. And I want to tell you something. When, when I got on the field and the coach said to us, I want you to get, run to the other side and I want, the, I want to choose the fastest guys. In my mind, the moment I started to run, there was in me a, a determination that I don't care who you are. I don't care wh- how they've told me you're fast. I'm going to beat you. When they said to me, Yanni, there is a guy on the field that needs to be taken out, I would, I would guarantee he would be carried off the field. Because in my brain, I knew that I could do great things. I never accepted that I'm an average person. I, I don't understand how to lose. I have lost many times, but I don't understand it. I'm a winner. Somebody say amen to me. I serve Jesus, man. And if I was good in myself, I'm telling you, when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, there is nothing that can stop me. Nothing can stop me. I'm not aiming for small things. I'm going for big things. My wife phoned me the, uh, two nights ago. She says to me, Yanni, no, it was last night, right, now." She says, we're in trouble financially. I said, What? She says, we have to pay more than we've got. I said, God will take care of it, Sarah. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning, looked at my emails, and somebody had deposited $500 in my account. All our payments are done. God's good. I will not accept failure. She says to me, look, I'll go and sell things. Jenny, we'll, we'll pay. I said, you do not sell a thing. Give me one day. Let's see what God does. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I I want you to get inside of you a determination to not just be another human being. Die on this earth one day or get taken away knowing that you can stand before him and he's going to look you in the eyes and say, not well thought, not well prayed, not well intentioned, but well done, thou good and faithful servant. What have you done? I beg you, before I close today, I beg you to live a life that is not for yourself, that does not keep you in the comfort zone, but will take you to places where you never dreamt you could go. It will make you do things you never believed you could do. Because greater is he that is in me. Right? He's in us, guys. We are more than conquerors. 
we are always called to triumph. If God is for us, who can be against us? What is your house doing? What is your life doing? I beg you, be history makers. Be people that change the course of what's going on in America. Don't listen to all the bad news and be moved by what you hear. Be a person that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in such a way that my environment is going to be changed. Every person I meet or I touch is going to experience God. Amen? Amen. Can I pray for you? Yes. Why don't you just reach your hands up to the Lord? I'm going to ask for an impartation of the Lord to you today. Would you, would you receive it? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that you would impart a, a spirit of expectancy, excellence, that, Lord, these people will receive an enthusiasm, that they would be filled with God. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, there would be exploits that I'll hear about, that there will be testimonies, even this week, of how they've prayed for people, how they've reached out to people, and lives have been changed. I ask it in the precious name of Jesus, and we all agreed together and said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you.